just going to begin reading from Psalm 23, verse 4. Familiar to a lot of people. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, those, that verse is, just stood out to me this week. Does anybody ever feel like they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? You know? I mean, you know, the world around us is crazy, okay? There's all kinds of things going on. Um, psalm 23 is a prophetic psalm. And I will tell you this, it is speaking to us today. Did you hear me? This isn't just the, a chapter or a, scriptures that get read at a funeral, although I've done that. And it's powerful there, too. But this is a, this is, these are verses to live by. These are words to live by. As we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can walk through and not fear knowing he's with me. Now, I want to talk about this this morning. And, you know, I want to talk about fear, but I don't want, I don't want that to be our main focus. I want the answer to be our main focus. I want to present to you this morning a choice that you can choose rather than fear, okay? And believe me, if you're human, everybody in here human? All right. If you're human and you're on planet Earth today, there is a great temptation to fear. You know what? As a pastor, I, I get tempted to fear, okay? But I'm going to tell you from the Bible, how we can resist fear. I know in the past, years ago, I remember I, I did a series once, and I, I, I had 10 different points on how to resist fear. Now, hang on. I'm not going to go through all 10 points this morning. But it just, as I was reading all through that, too, it just it hit me that this last point that I had in that series is where I want to go today. The psalm says, even when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we, we can fear no evil, for he's with us. Can you say he's with me today? He's with you today. You know, there's sometimes in my life when I'm, I'm more aware of him. You know what I mean? Sometimes you come into to church and, 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 you know, you get goosebumps or whatever, and it makes you want to run around the room. And if you run in this church, we try to go counterclockwise because the doors open that way, and it's, it's easier traffic flow. You know, but, but, uh, but, you know, whether I feel him, whether it's a goosebump, whether I see it, he's working. He's with me. What I got to get better at, can I be real with you, is acknowledging him. Is acknowledging him. Is, my wife would say, she used to say this all the time, she says, I feel like I need to cattle rope my mind. And, you know, and she's not really a cowgirl, but somehow she got that image in her head of a cowboy going out and cattle roping, you know, a, a little calf or something and may, bringing it into submission. And she says, that's what I got to do to my head. Does anybody ever have to do that to their head? Does their head want to go run wild and with thoughts and all kinds of things? I'm telling you what, it's a constant thing we're learning to do is bring our mind into the place that God would have us be. You see, fear is something that we need to resist. Do you hear me? Fear is not something we need to embrace. It's something we need to resist. You see, it's a door that when open, 
It allows evil to come in and gain control over our life. Okay? Now, again, if you feared today, you just tell me you're human. And again, I've feared before. I've had fear grip me before. But I'm telling you what, there's an alternative that I'm going to present today. All right. So these are some scriptures that, you know, I didn't really have a place to fit these in the message. So I have a page that just says, here's a few scriptures, okay, that meant something to me as I was reading this week. Psalm 34, 1 through 4, it says this. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord, and the humble will, shall hear of it and be glad. Verse 3, this is such a good one. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now, you know, you can't make God any bigger than he already is. He's the greater one. He lives in you and all these things. But I'm telling you, you can take a magnifying glass, and your perception of, of something can become huge. You know? you know what I've learned? That I can take a picture with my phone and then take my fingers and spread it, and it works like a magnifying glass. Sometimes I've tried to read things on a label. Yeah, maybe I could read it when I was 20, but I, I, you know, it's a little more of a struggle. So I'll take a picture and I go, Whoop, and I make it big. I make it big in my perception. I make it big in my field of vision. That's what you got to do with God. You got to make him big in the way you think. In the way you're seeing life. Don't make fear big. Don't make problems make big. Make him big. Verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Do you know he hears you when you call out to him? And he delivered me from all my fears. Can you say all my fears? You know, I'm telling you what. He wants us free today. Isaiah 41.10 is another one that stood out. It says, fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. Yeah, I'll help you. I'll uphold you with the right, with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I'm with you. You know, sometimes and I look at verses and I think of setting, like when is God speaking that to someone? You know, I don't think God's telling people this necessarily. I mean, he's probably telling us this all the time. But it isn't just when you're feeling great and you're in church, you know, the worship team. Thank God for our worship team. We have anointed worshipers that lead us every week, you know. And, and like my wife said this morning, she loves it when it gets really loud in worship because that gives her an excuse to, whoo, let out everything that's in her and not be a disturbance, you know. And, and then, then, you know, so anyway. But, I mean, thank God for that. But, but I think it's when you're down in the nitty-gritty and you're walking through life and things aren't looking so good and God is saying to you, fear not, I'm with you. That's when I need to be reminded of it. That's when I need to stand up and say, yeah, yeah, I know these problems look big. Things look, you know, horrendous. But, but I'm telling you what, God is with me. Then in 2 Timothy 1.7, I don't know, I've been camping on this scripture for weeks. But in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God has not given us, and I always say it, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. One, one version of that says he's given me clear thinking. I like that. I like to say that about myself. He's given me clear thinking. The first thing he says, though, is God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. So I want to tell you this this morning. Fear 
is not from God. Did you hear me? Fear is not something that comes in your life that's a present from heaven. Fear is from the devil. Can we be that black and white about it? It's the truth. All right. Some people might think, well, they think, well, a little fear is good. It keeps you safe. But I think they're mistaking, you know, fear with common sense. I'm not telling anybody to throw common sense out the window. What I'm saying is don't be ruled by fear. Okay, common sense tells me not to play on the freeway. By the way, I was dri we were driving down 94 yesterday. I was taking Kara and Stephen and True to the airport. And we're just driving, and it's early, and I hadn't had my second cup of coffee yet. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking out the window, and there is a horse walking down the shoulder of 94. I said, what, did you see that, Stephen? There's a horse out there. And, you know, everything, you know, there wasn't a lot of traffic because it was early, but we all slowed down, and there's a guy out there, you know. Anyway. Trying to, trying to, you know, yeah, he probably needed a lasso, but he had a blanket, and he was trying to, you know, that's probably what you do, Gary, huh? You take a blanket, and you try to ease the horse back into the pasture. I know you, you know what to do, but, but, you know, a horse, I mean, that'll wake you up, that'll, that, or it'll make you think you're dreaming or something, but um, a little fear isn't good. A little fear is something still to resist, and every step you take towards God, can I tell you something? takes giant steps towards you. You got little fears? Well, we'll work on resisting little fears. God's going to show up big in your life. So it's not a message to condemn anybody, but what it is is a message that we need to put our eyes on Jesus. So in Luke 21, Jesus said this, verse 25, he said, there'll be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea, the waves roaring. Verse 26, it says, as men's hearts fail them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken. I'm just going to finish a couple verses here. It says, and they'll, then they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. I, I've never in my life seen such fear displayed in this world. And, you know, there's different kinds of fear. You know, people have fear of, uh, of, you know, roller coasters. People have fear of public speaking. People have fear of death. You know, those are, you know, things you think of with fear. But there's, there's this fear that Jesus is talking about here where I would just call it anxiety. You know? I've never seen so much anxiety as I do today. You know, I hear about it all the time. And then I think of this verse, and I think of the days that we live in, and Jesus said, men's hearts will fail them for fear. You see, I believe this. I believe God wants us delivered 
from all anxiety. Are you hearing me today? Can I talk about these things in church? <laughs> God wants us free. He wants us to walk in a place. And you know, again, don't take a message like this as condemnation. The devil is so mean. You know, there is a devil out there. I don't spend a lot of time focusing on him, except I focus on his defeat. I focus on this on a daily basis, that Jesus defeated the devil, okay? And that spiritually speaking, authority-wise, the devil is under my feet. And the devil is mean, though, because he'll take things, he'll take messages of truth, and he'll try to do this. This is how I describe it. I have to show you. He goes like this. You know? Truth comes out, and the devil takes it, and he spins it. So that when people hear it, they think, oh, oh, I think I feared this week. I, I should feel bad about what I did. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about something that is real, that is facing each and every one of us. And we're talking about a scriptural, biblical way that we can deal with it and rise above it. Are we perfect at it? No, we're not perfect at it. We, we, sometimes you might fall in trying to do these things. You might know all the right answers and, and, and still get tripped up. But don't stay down rise up. I love that scripture in Proverbs. It says a righteous man will fall seven times, but the Lord will raise him up again. I say, here I am, Lord. Boy, I tell you what, raise me up. Help me to walk in a higher place. Show me, teach me how to live life. You know, when you're walking through life and you mess up and you have a mistake, let it be something God can show you how to do it better next time. Because here's the good news. These things in life are like cycles. They come around, and if you miss it the first time, don't worry. You'll get another opportunity to do it right. Yay. Amen. All right. In, in Luke 10, I want to read this one because this, you know, I woke up. I was, I was up one night. I, uh, it was a couple weeks ago. I was up all night, and it wasn't a bad thing, but I just couldn't sleep, which is very unusual for me. I can sleep, you know, I'm pretty much like two minutes I'm out. But I was just awake, and so, you know, when them things like that happen, I'll, 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 I'll struggle for a while, but then I'll think, well, is there something you want to show me, Lord? You know, and so I'll just have a conversation with the Holy Spirit and talk to Him and just kind of practice His presence. And so the next morning, I'm telling Dana, I said, yeah, I, I didn't sleep. I, you know, I, I had how much I slept. It wasn't much. And she says, well, what, what did you see? And I said, well, the only thing I had going through my head was that whole story about Mary and Martha. And so I want to read it to you today, and, and I'll tell you what I saw about it. It says that in verse 38, it says, It happened that as they went, he entered a certain village, and there was a certain woman named Martha that welcomed him into her home. It's talking about Jesus here. And she had a sister whose name was Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, that's, you know, a key thing. Mary, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. That's something we all need to practice doing, sitting at his feet and hearing his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, again, I got to say this. The, the whole purpose of this story is not to put Martha down, okay? And, and maybe you, you hear this read and you think, wow, I, I relate to Martha. I think, I think I am a Martha. No, you're not. You're just a human, 
And you're dealing with very human things that Martha was dealing with. And that's why I believe this story is in the Bible is so that we can see, hey, you know what? There's, there's a couple ways we can deal with life and let's choose the right way. And if we've missed it, then, then let's, let's do better next time. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. So you got two sisters here, Martha and Mary. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his word. But Martha was in the same setting. She had Jesus in her house. How cool is that? Jesus in the flesh, in the house. And but you see, even in these most spiritual times, what you might just fantasize about that and think, what would it be like if Jesus actually showed up in my house in the flesh and said, hey, I'm here for dinner? You know, where would your mind go? Because these are t examples of two different places where people's minds went. And the one sat at his feet. They put everything out else to, you know, to the wind. I'm focusing on Jesus. And the other one, again, not a bad person. But in this situation, allowed distractions to come in. And what was coming to me the night I was, I was laying up, or I was laying in bed awake, was how that, you know, fear and, and distractions are not always necessarily coming to us as bad things. Some people think in life that distractions are always something that's horrible that's coming into our life to pull our attention away. But the, the sneaky thing about distractions is sometimes there's really good things in life. They're good, but they're pulling you away from where your focus should be. You see, do you think it's wrong to serve Jesus? Do you think it's wrong to go around making cheese sandwiches for Jesus when he comes to your house for lunch? Do you think it's wrong to be fussing and, and, and worrying about the table, you know, being set? You know, I'm, I always remember my grandmother when we'd have company come over. There was a season we lived with my grandmother because my grandfather had died and my folks decided they're going to just move in with grandma for a while and help her. And so I, my early years of, is, of a kid was, was in grandma's house. And she'd have company over a lot. And she would get so meticulous. She'd, she'd set the table before they came. And she had this thing where she'd measure the tablecloths. We don't even use a tablecloth, you know. And, and she would go over there with her arm. And she'd hold it up. And she'd measure it where it hit her arm. And then she'd walk to the other side. And she'd measure that. Then she'd put out all the fruit cocktails, and I was always a stinker as a little kid. I'd go around to those fruit cocktails that were set on the table, and I'd eat all the maraschino cherries before anybody <laughs> would come. They eventually caught on. But, but, you know, I mean, all those things are not wrong. But when they're clouding your vision and keeping you from sitting at Jesus' feet, and hearing what he has to say to you, they're a distraction. They need to be put aside. Again, now don't get condemned by that. Be enlightened by it. Say, hey. So Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. See, that's the thing, is, is, is worries and troubles are like this. When you let one in, they multiply. All of a sudden, your mind gets going on all these other directions that aren't 
helpful to you, and you become a servant to it. He says you're troubled and worried about many things, but one thing, you say, can you say one thing? He said one thing is needed, and Mary chose the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now again, it isn't that our whole life is always sitting on the floor, you know, singing kumbaya, okay? Do they sing that anymore? Come by here, Lord. But, but I never really sang that much, but, but anyway, um, I know people did. But, you know, that isn't, we're not saying that, but we are saying do everything you can to keep your eyes constantly fixed on Jesus. As a matter of fact, you do that on the job, you're going to be a better employee. You're going to be a better boss. You're going to run things with more efficiency. God's going to give you grace to do things that are beyond your own ability because you're looking to him. What's Jesus telling you? What's he, here, I got a couple versions here I wanted to read. The uh, New American Standard said it like this. The Lord answered and said to Martha, verse 41, uh, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things, by many things. Then the Message Bible said, the Master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary chose, has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. I like the way that says that. You get that one? You're, work, you're getting yourself all worked up over nothing. Have you ever, don't even raise your hand. Have you ever been worked up over nothing? I'll, I'll raise it for all of us. Worked up over nothing. What are we doing? We're learning. We're learning how to put him first. We're learning how to fix our minds on him. And, you know, God will help you. He'll teach you. Sometimes he can use distractions, you know, in life to say, hey, look at this. Let me, let me read this, and then I'll tell you a couple stories. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know what that is? That is a biblical way to vent. You know what venting is? Has anybody ever vented on you? Or have you ever vented? On? Now, the, don't get me wrong here either. Sometimes Dane and I will go on a walk, and we'll just walk and vent to each other. We're not trying to fix the problem. We're just saying, this is where I'm at. The thing is, is, is that, that venting, you know, David was, a, was a, a chief venter. David, you know David in the Bible, the Old Testament? He would vent to God. He would tell God about all the things he was facing. But if you read the Psalms, you'll find that as he vented to God, there'd be a turn. And you can spot it if you start reading a few of them. You'll say, wow, I get it. He was getting something here. All of a sudden, you get a victory because you get your eyes over on him. You get your problems over on God, and he can move. You're letting him in. Oh, I've got a psalm here. It says, Lord, how they have increased that trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. What is that? It's venting. He's telling God the problems he's facing. Many are they who say of me, there's no help for him in God. Then it throws one of them selahs in there. You know, that means to stop and think about that. 
No, what a terrible position to be in. People rising up against you everywhere. Maybe you felt that way this week. Many say there's no help for him and God. That's bold. They're telling you there's no help in God. But then he goes on. He says, but you, Lord, you're a shield for me. You're my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice. And he heard me from his holy hill. And then it throws another sila in there. It means to think about that. It's almost like he's saying, take that. <laughs> anyway, then he goes on. He says, I laid down and I slept. And I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I'll not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. Isn't that amazing? What a turnaround. He vented to God. He told God his problems. God just showed him his greatness. Verse 7 of Philippians 4, I'll read on. It says, In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these. So what did he do? He told us first to vent to God and then to cattle rope our minds and bring them into subjection. And choose. Can you say choose? You have a superpower in life. You've been given the ability to choose. You can choose what you think anytime. Do you know that? Now, it's hard to just stop thinking some things sometimes. It's like you get a song in your head and just, you got to replace it. You got to think of another one. You got to think of another song. You got to think of another thought that you can put your mind on. Your mind isn't just going to go blank and go, I'm not thinking that anymore. No, you got you to put something in there that you can think about, something that's good. Verse 6, I have this in there, the Amplified Bible. It says, don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Come to Him. So I've noticed this in life lately, that I've had circumstances that come to me that try to vie for my attention. And, and, and God has been so good to show me these things lately. And I'm not here today asking him to give me more of them, but I am trying to learn, okay? I, I had one, this was, a, a, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. I think I even mentioned it once somewhere in passing here. But I was on my way to a monthly staff uh, meeting, okay? And, and we usually have these, I don't know, one of the Mondays in the, the month, and we get together with the staff and... You know, we, our purpose is to connect and to communicate and to pray. And I, I value these times. Frankly, I look forward to them, you know. And, and you know, we pray for each other, you know, in a, in a great level. And I actually had, they, they prayed for me. We had one last Monday. And I was coming in. I had all kinds of symptoms trying to come against my body, sickness kind of thing. And, you know, I was doing my best to stay away from everybody. You know, we've learned all that. And, and, but they, they prayed for me. They laid hands on me, and I tell you, it was a turning point. It was a turning point. Healing began to just be activated in me. And it never got worse. It got continually better 
every day. And, and I tell you, I praise God. So, I mean, so I was on my way to this meeting a couple months ago. And why is it I'm on the way to the meeting and I discover this? But I, I reach in my pocket, my back pocket, and I realize my wallet is gone. And, I mean, I hate to be late, so I, I'm, I'm like, oh. I quickly looked at all the, the normal places, you know, one would look. And, and I, I even did this. I took, I couldn't find it. I took Dana to the meeting, and I said, tell him I'll be there in 10 minutes. But I drove down to Aldi's because I had been in Aldi's. I was the last, you know how your mind goes, where was the last time I had this thing? And I remembered being at Aldi's and, and, and paying for the groceries. And, and, and so I went to Aldi's. I thought, well, surely it's there. And I go there, and, and they tell me, no, we don't have it. So, so then I said to the Lord, I said, well, I, I, I don't want to have my night kidnapped. I don't want to be kidnapped by this thought. I'm the kind of person, I like everything in order. I, I don't know, I think it's maybe with age I've become that way, because I probably wasn't that way when I was 20, but I've gotten to where I like everything in order, you know? And, and, and um, Dana may disagree with me, but, but I do <laughs> like things in order. And, and, and I like my ducks in a row. I like my wallet. I like to know where my wallet is. You know, I don't have one of them little things in my wallet, you know, from, you know, the computer tells you where it is. But, but anyway, because I never lose it. But, but I did. And I'm on my way to a meeting that I enjoy. And I walk in and everybody's sitting there and I'm late. But, you know, which I had to get over that too. But, but I sit down and I was just kind of struggling. There's a point of struggle sometimes to get your mind in the right place. But there was a point after about 15 minutes or so that I just crossed over and I totally let it go. Now, that doesn't mean I ignore my problem. It doesn't mean that, that well, forget that wallet. I'm just moving on. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying I'm not going to let it control my, my, my being. I'm not going to let it control my mind. I'm not going to let it bring me to a place of anxiety and fear. So I purposely just... I just purpose, I'm thinking on God. I'm thinking about how great he is. I'm thinking about whatever I've got to walk through, he's with me. He's going to help me. He's going to give me favor. He's going to give me insight. I had a similar thing happen just like a week ago. In fact, I was getting ready for church. Does anything ever happen to anybody when you're getting ready for church? Even on the way to church? I mean, hi, my, my. <laughs> Anyway, I'm, I'm getting ready for church, and I, I, again, I look in my wallet, and, and my credit card was gone. Can I go on a side journey on my a rabbit trail, on my rabbit trail? I, I noticed my credit card was, was gone, and I thought, oh, where's that? I start quickly look through everything, but I just walked away, and I walked into the, the other room, and I just, I, I purposely just said, I'm going to think about God. I'm not going to let this rob me. If, if I have to go to church without knowing where the credit card is, it's okay. As soon as I did that, as soon as I quieted down, immediately this thought came into my mind. It's, it's under the, we have these mats in our closet that the shoes sit on. It's, they're like a rubber mat, or sort of. And I went in there, and Dana was there, she saw me. I just went in and I picked that mat up, and there it was right underneath it. You know, how'd that happen? Because I put my eyes on him. So at the, the staff meeting, I went through the whole staff meeting, and they go long too. They're like two, three hours always. And, and, and I got out of it, I was just totally free. Frankly, I didn't care about that wallet anymore. I did, but I didn't, you know what I mean? And I got home, I pulled in the garage, and immediately a thought came to me. 
you know, we, we have another car. I have, uh, we have Dana's car and my car, and mine's the old car. And I thought, I'm just going to go look under. I, I went into my old my car. I don't call it old. But anyway, I went in there, and I got a flashlight, and I looked under the seat. Sure enough, there's my wallet. Can I tell you another one? Life's full of these things. And what it is, it's the choices. Am I going to choose fear? Am I going to choose the road of anxiety? Because you choose that. You start going down that road, it'll beat you up. It'll grow. It'll multiply. It'll consume you, and it'll control your life. I'm just talking about another choice. Choose to think about him. So, again, Dane and I were in town. This was a, a couple weeks ago. And, and we had both driven that day because we had, meet, we had different meetings that we had to go different directions. But then we ended up having a meeting together, and, and we're leaving that meeting. And so she's driving, and, and she calls me, and she says, Paul, it, my car is making the strangest noise. Where does your mind go when you hear that? You get that call from your wife, or maybe you're making the call. Your mind goes, oh, man, there's mechanical breakdown. There is something. My mind went to money. Money. Just floating away. A little bird came and took money away. And, and, and I said, Dana, just pull over right now, and I'll drive to where you're at. So I had her pull over, and, and I went and got in the car, and, and she took my car and went home. And I just thought, I'm going to just drive it and see what this is. And, and I noticed that when it was parked, it didn't make any noise. So right away, I thought, well, my engine is, is, must be working okay. You know, the engine's running. I put gas, and it didn't move. It was in park. But then I drove away, and it made the strangest noise. It sounded, you know, it sounded like rubber was, was scraping, and, and, and this squeaky noise, very irritating, very distracting, you know. And, and I pulled over to the curb and, 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 and got out, and I looked under every wheel well, you know. I mean, things you do. And I looked, and there's nothing there. And, and I, again, this is like one of my buttons, okay, being real. I like my car to be full of gas. You know, when I park my car, 98% of the time I back in because I want to be able to leave when I want to, you know, pull right out and not be stuck having to back up. That's how I am. So for the car to be making a noise like that, that really bugs me. It's a distraction. It's a voice. It's anxiety trying to grip me. It's fear. And I know i got to resist that. So I'm driving around town. I'm just, you know, thinking I'm not going to go too far. I'm just going to listen and see if I can determine where it's coming from. And, you know, you know how it is when there's a noise like that? It's, to me, it's very difficult to say, it's coming from the right front tire, you know. I mean, I couldn't tell. It was just this noise coming in the car. And I was like, so I even called the garage that I go to, and I got my mechanic on the phone. I said, listen to this. I'm driving around in Menominee with my phone down in the car, and, and, and Andrew, my buddy, he says, he says, I hear it. He says, but it's very difficult to diagnose a car on the cell phone. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, when can you get me in? And this was like, this was a Monday. And you know what he told me? He said, I can get you in a week from Tuesday. My mind, oh, the thoughts were just flying. I was like, oh. So, I mean, I'm not perfect. I don't just instantly, boom, I think about Jesus. I'm at Jesus' feet. That's my goal. That's where I'm heading. So I'm like, I, I, I said, do you think I can drive it? And he goes, well, I wouldn't drive it much. 
but I, I drove it home and put it in the garage, and I left it for a day. I didn't even think about it. I, when I got home, I just said, that's when I made my stand. I said, no, I will not be manipulated by this. I'll not be controlled by this. I'm going to purposely put my mind on Jesus. I'm going to put my mind on his provision, his breakthrough. And seriously, my car sat in the garage, or Dana's car sat in the garage for like a day and a half. And I think it was Wednesday that I got in it, and I just, I just, what I did is I, I backed it up, slammed on the brakes, and then I, I pulled it back in, and then I started playing with the emergency brake and turning it on and off, you know. And, and, and I think Stephen had said to us, hey, is your emergency brake on? And we both knew it wasn't, but, but nonetheless, we started, I started messing with this. And then I backed it out, and it didn't make that noise anymore. And I drove it around the block. And I was kind of excited. I parked it again. I came in. I said, Dana, the car didn't make that noise. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive it tomorrow and just really give it a test. So, so I, 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 the next day I drove it, and Dana took my car that day. But when I backed out of the garage, she, um, she looked at the floor of the garage, and, and there was a walnut There was a walnut that was half, half of it was like, like maybe, maybe it was like a fifth of the side was just kind of rubbed off. And, and it, had, it probably was stuck in there. And then we told Pastor Stephen about it. And he goes, I've seen a squirrel in our neighborhood come in and, and like climb into cars like wheels and things. And just, he's, you know, and there's a walnut tree in their, their neighborhood. And here he'd stuck, he'd, he'd probably wedged it in there. And it probably, you know, jerked out. I even call, I called my, my mechanic. I said, man, you won't believe this one. <laughs> Had a walnut fall out of it. He goes, oh, that's great. Cool. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm learning how to resist anxiety. Because fear is an enemy. And fear is something I'm not going to be ruled by. You know, I'm not going to be one of them in this day where my heart fails me because of fear that's coming on the earth. I'll tell you, you've got to be selective in what you put your eyes and ears on nowadays. And if there's things that are putting fear in you, causing anxiety, I'm just saying, check up with the Holy Spirit. Check up with him. I'm not, again, I don't, I, I don't think I'm saying that as a Christian we should stick our head in the sand and say, oh, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. Hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you what the Apostle Paul said. All of your fear, all of your anxiety, go to him. Unload it on him and then Put your mind on the things you should. Put your mind on him. Put your mind on the answer. Let me read this psalm in its entirety because it's so good. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. This is for today, folks. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
We're not denying there is death. We're not denying there is trouble in the world. Here's what I'm going with. I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. I like verse 5. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know. If you're like me, I want my enemies removed. How's this for style? God didn't remove the enemies. He sets up a table right in front of them. Feeds you a feast. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What kind of a fragrance is following you today? He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That means there's so much of God that we leave a trail wherever we're going. It's not that you don't have them in the now. You have them in the now. In fact, you got so much provision, so much anointing, so much peace that you bring it with you everywhere you go. And it's like when you leave the room, the peace of God is still there. That's what I'm aiming at. Even though we're not talking about target practice anymore, we're not talking about the aims of the church, I'm still aiming at things. All right. Fear is a distraction. The reality is God's real. His presence is real. And what we need to do is set our eyes and attention on him. All right. I, I, uh, I want to just pray for you before we move on. Father, we thank you for every person here, every person that is watching online. Thank you for your mercy, your grace with all of us. Thank you that you're such a, a good teacher. You take us by the hand when we're in trouble, and you lead us step by step to the place we need to be. Thank you, Lord, for your hand upon us. Show us, show us things in life. Show us where we maybe have a door open and, and anxiety's coming in because we don't want that. I, just, I do stand in the name of Jesus and I break the power of fear over our people. I say go in Jesus' name. We'll not be ruled by you. We're free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus.